How's it going? This is Scott Fish. I co-host a podcast called the Commission Impossible Podcast with Ryan McDowell. We don't exactly go over player values or dynasty trades or potential or rankings or mock drafts, and we usually don't even have guests. We just like to talk about commissioner stuff, so that's what you get. You can learn about lots of different scoring systems, uh, interesting rules, settings, how to set up your playoffs, how to determine draft order, how to determine rookie auction values, things like that. Stuff that commissioners might be interested in, like rivalries or rolling bank rolls or salary caps. We also answer commissioner questions. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, check us out. It's a pretty good listen. Football.com and a DLF family of podcasts. That's James the Brain. All right, so I want to share with you really quick a comic that I saw in a Buffalo newspaper around Halloween. It was just a one square comic, and it's a little kid. He's dressed up for Halloween and he's trick or treating, and he is trick or treating at Nathan Peterman's house. And Nathan Peterman's holding a bowl of candy, and the kid says, Trick or treat. And Nathan Peterman looks at the kid and says, Pick six. <laughs> like pick six pieces of candy is that yeah yeah he's holding out the bowl saying pick six man they're harsh on their only uh their <laughs> only healthy quarterback wow jeez. okay mm-hmm. uh well no travis beard in this episode i am john throw up the x hogue and this is a super flex super show des is back lev is kind of back the Steelers blow up while CMC is the only Panther to show up on Thursday night nice. and, and now it's time for the playoff push time to lock up play playoff bursts and secure top seeds time to mash the gas and there is no time left for looking in the rearview mirror down the home stretch of the fantasy regular season we go and we've got green, yellow, red lights for week 10, along with some must-starts, some sneaky starts, and some bust alerts to help you solidify the week 10 lineups. We're also breaking down your trades, whether you're loading up for the playoffs or tearing down for next year. But before we get to anything else, James, it sounds like you and I need to hash something out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do, John. And so I'm going to ask for the floor here for a little bit, and I, I really want you to hear me out and hear how I feel. Okay. So it sounds horrible, but okay. I, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be, it's it doesn't, gonna be, you're going to have to buckle in. It sir. doesn't sound like I have an option here either. It's, so. it's no, no, that wasn't, that wasn't <laughs> a, a request. That was, I'm just telling you what's going to happen. Um, so, you know, John, I, I, I fully support you, man. I support you. And I tuned in to the trade addicts pod, which is an excellent podcast guys. If you haven't heard it, Check it out. It's the newest member of the DLF family of pods. Awesome podcast. I've been on there before myself, and it's a ton of fun. Um, At Dynasty Outhouse does a fantastic job. Russ uh, is hosting it. And, um, you know, Brian Har, our fourth stooge, does – he's he's awesome he has great insight on there and and those guys break down trades better than you know anyone so i i really enjoy 
listening to it. So I listened to it and I was excited because it said, we have guests, John Hogue and Edison Hayes. And, and what you guys did w- w- was, was awesome. But here's the thing. Here's, here's my problem. I was expecting you guys to be guests. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, I tune in and John is hosting. He is hosting the Trade Addicts pod in place of Dynasty Outhouse. Now, that's what I do, man. John, Everywhere I, I go. I, I, I got to I, I, hold on now. I, I got to <laughs> tell you how that made me feel. OK, OK. John Hogue is my host. Uh-huh. He is my he hosts my podcast. He's always been my personal host. So. I'm I felt like host. I I felt like I walked in with you hosting two other dudes, uh-huh. and I have to I have to let you know how that made me feel. It made me feel like you were cheating on me. Like I walked in literally on you hosting two other dudes, and I was I was not happy, John. I was I felt <laughs> I, I felt uh, deflowered. I felt uh, just taken <laughs> advantage of. I yeah. didn't. Yeah, I yeah. I I really felt. Uh, I felt strongly against this. And I, I got to tell you, you did a fantastic job um, when I was able to finally, uh, you know, stop seeing red and, 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 you know, see the podcast for what it was. It was fantastic. And I, I hate to admit that because I, I, uh, I don't, I don't like hearing that, you know, you're, you're supposed to be setting me up for these zingers and these one liners and you were, you were setting them up and you, you even, you even, you even tried to introduce the, the trade addicts pod like you introduced the Superflex Super Show, and I, I, I got to tell you, man, it really, it, it, it hurt. So that's the first bone I had to pick with you. The second bone I have to pick with you. Oh, there's more. Is this Aaron Jones nonsense? My, okay, now what? <laughs> I'm okay with Aaron Jones. I am. I, I, his talents. He, he's finally starting to get the carries. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but when I hear that Aaron Jones for Delvin Cook is pretty much a coin flip for you guys. Yeah. I, I, I gotta, I gotta draw the line there. Aaron Jones is not anywhere near a top 12 running back. Delvin cook has that talent. He showed it when he was at that, this last game, he had one carry. He ran for 70, what? 70, 71 yards. 70 he yards. ran faster, faster than any ball carrier has run in any game on that run. Mm-hmm. That yep. is unbelievable. The guy's coming back from an injury and he does that. There's no way. Aaron Jones is even in the same stratosphere talent-wise as Dalvin Cook. Just going to put that out there and just say that you guys are absolutely nuts with your value for him. I <laughs> wish I had him in a league that we were in together so I could offer you him on a for golden Dalvin platter Cook. for Dalvin yeah. Cook. Yes, I would yeah. be so, so happy to get him. So those were my two bones I had to pick with you, John. I'm going to let you go ahead and try to defend yours. I don't know how you can the first <laughs> one because that, that that's tough. The Aaron Jones one you no, might this. be able to – Throw out some some stuff to to confuse people and you know make it make it look like maybe you know you know what you're doing there. But the first the, that first one with you hosting another podcast, man, that I, I I don't know how you can defend yourself on that one. But I'll let you I'll let you try. Oh, the first one's easy. I I am everybody's host. I am a, the host of the people, the host of the podcast universe. I am the the host. I'm 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 the Walter Cronkite of podcast hosts. I, I, that's just, I, I'm Rob, I'm, I'm Robert California for those of you, you who watch oh, yeah. it, it, it's a, it's a good thing that I, 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 so I've had the privilege of talking a little bit one-on-one with Ken Moody at, at uh, dynastyleaguefootball.com. I've had the privilege of talking a little bit with Eric Dickens one-on-one, but I know that I have to be very careful 
in in spending too much time talking with those guys or I'll, I'll end up as the CEO of DLF without even trying. Oh, I'm just going to oh. end up as just kind of, and not only that, I'm going to end up as the host of every single podcast on the dynasty league football.com family of podcasts. Mega feed. <laughs> do you, do you realize, <laughs> do you realize what you are advertising right now? You are advertising basically that you are the pretty woman of of podcast hosts you yes. you will just you'll just you'll you'll just fill in and you'll just you know hey if the price is right you can have me it's basically what you're advertising oh it's right not now. even a it's not I, even a price thing i didn't oh, get paid man. i didn't oh, even get paid oh, anything it's just it it they they asked me to come to to come be a guest and next thing you know i just kind of took the thing over and i'm i'm just i'm i'm the the pilot i'm i'm the driver I'm uh, like I said, I'm Robert California. I just kind of walk in expecting to do one job. And next thing I know, I'm it, you, the, the CEO is giving me their job. You are a so, podcast host of the night is what you are right now. That's that's the way you're making it sound. I just want you right. to know that 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 is. And man. just just to be clear, I'm also very sleep deprived because I've done a lot of podcasting this week. So, oh my gosh, I, I, this uh, is this I, is getting getting worse. John. Yeah, I know. you're digging yourself a deeper hole here. I know. Yeah, I just oh. I, I don't want to be held to anything I say here tonight because, um, yeah, I I'm just kind of in a perpetual loop, and uh, I'm just hearing my voice in stereo. Just every podcast has my voice on it right now, and it's. It's it's exhausting to be honest. It's a total. It's, it's a it's a privilege, and uh, it's it's an honor. But yeah, I'm uh, I'm also extremely exhausted from just going around spreading the the word of Aaron Jones. Which brings me to your second point. Oh no! <laughs> which I that, that first answer was so shameful. I don't even know if I want to hear this. But go, go ahead. You, you go probably ahead. don't, because as one of Dalvin Cook's greatest supporters going into this season, yes, mm -hmm. I would gladly trade Dalvin Cook right now for Aaron Jones. Because if it takes Dalvin Cook eight weeks of sitting on on the sideline uh, to for him to get up to twenty two miles an hour on one run. And then, and then it's right back to the sideline and and build that back up. Like I, I'll, I'll take the guy who's on the field. I'll take the guy who's healthy. Oh my god! You're, you'll take the guy who's on the field. Yeah. Aaron Jones just recently became the uh, the the main ball carrier in Green Bay, and yep. you guys were singing his praises all year, even when he wasn't the main ball carrier. Yeah, I mean he was the better player all along. It's just Oh, so now it, it's now it's the better it, player. But Delvin Cook's the better player. He's better than than Aaron Jones is talent wise. Yeah, he's better. He's just not healthy. So yeah. Oh, yeah. It, Aaron Jones is a better player than Jamal Williams and a healthier player than Dalvin Cook. And I, I the, the the combination of the two puts him above, you know, ninety percent of the running backs in the NFL for me. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Wow. So uh, maybe I should find some more podcasts to go on and and say that. Oh my oh. gosh! <laughs> don't 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 do this to me. All right, you already broke my heart once. Don't 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 go hosting any more podcasts. All right, I don't think I could take it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, JJ Zacharyson, uh, the footballers, 
the DLF podcast. Whenever you guys are ready, I'm happy to come on and and uh, take over as host for a day and uh, oh, talk man. up Aaron Jones. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. All right. This is starting to make me feel Travis. Gross too. Yeah. Travis come without back. without Travis here to to wait. No, to, he's, to he's, me he's all Aaron Jones too. He wouldn't help me. Never mind. Man. No, that's true. Right. Definitely. But I mean, I think that he would probably uh, he would he would probably get sick of my ego by now too. So, um. <laughs> let's so can we get to the matchups are we are we good yeah, now are we you, you, uh, yeah, you feeling better <laughs> you feel... I mean, we're not good but I mean, <laughs> okay. it's as good as it's gonna get right now so deal all right <laughs> fair enough uh all right well i'm gonna let you go first with the running backs let's get to this week's matchups real quick and uh we're gonna bust through these so we can get to some listener trades as well but let's start with a running back position with james the brain yeah, so I'm going to start with my green lights. These are guys that you just just start. Feel good about it. Start them. Just go. Uh, Nick Chubb, David Johnson, Kareem Hunt, Tariq Cohen, Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram. That's right, both Saints backs. Melvin Gordon, Aaron Jones. Just this week, Aaron <laughs> Jones is on there. Todd Gurley, Chris oh, Carson. What timing. At Matt Bereda. Yeah, I, that I know. That is so I timely. I, oh, man. What? You had to make me start you with running backs. You love Aaron Jones, don't you? I do this week. I will give you that. I do this week. (laughs) After this week, I can. I I don't. But yes, he is on the green lights there. So yellow lights: uh, Tevin Coleman, Duke Johnson, Lashawn McCoy, Isaiah Crowell, Marlon Mack, uh, Leonard Fournette, uh, Jordan Howard, Deion Lewis, Sony Michelle, James White, Adrian Peterson, Capri Bibbs, Joe Mixon, Austin Eckler, Doug Martin, Kenyon Drake, Frank Gore. Ezekiel Elliott and Wendell Smallwood. The red whites, the notable guys that are red whites for me. Carryon Johnson, Derrick Henry, and Peyton Barber. Uh, my start of the week is Melvin Gordon against the Raiders. And look, I, it, it's really interesting when you look at the Raiders because they, they get they kind of. I mean, defensively they're not good. I mean, they they kind of get beat all over the place. But really, uh, as far as running backs go, I mean, they're they're not very good against the the running back uh, position. They've given up eight top uh, twenty four performances so far this season melvin gordon is one of the top if not the top uh running back fantasy running back normally he's uh he's right there with todd Gurley, depending on the scoring format but um i don't see that changing i think oakland's uh o- oakland isn't very good at anything they're not good at stopping the pass they're not good at <laughs> stopping the run but at the running backs that can catch the ball I, I, that's that's really what gets them and melvin gordon and austin eckler can both catch the ball but melvin gordon's been doing it a lot too um, I think he's going to get, you know, he's going to have a big game. So he is my start of the week this week. That shouldn't surprise anyone. He's been a start all year, but yeah, that that's my start of the week this week at the running back position. As far as a sneaky start goes, I'm going to go with Chris Carson. Look, a lot of people are going to look at Chris Carson and they're going to go, well, I, you know, I, I, I don't know that I want to start Chris Carson because it looks like a tough matchup against the Rams in, in LA. It looks like, you know, that could be a, a, a maybe a lopsided matchup, but you know, first off, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think it'll be that lopsided. It's a division matchup. It'll probably be closer than people think. Um, and the other thing I would say is that, you know, if you look at what the Rams have done, they've put up nine top 24 games uh, to, to opposing running backs. Um, that's, that's 
the only the only team that's worse is Kansas City, and they're far worse than anybody against the running back position this year. Um, but he's a sneaky start. Chris Carson, as long as he's healthy, and it sounds like he's going to practice, you know, he's been practicing, he's going to suit up. Um, I, I think Chris Carson is a sneaky play against the Rams, a guy who you normally probably wouldn't think to start against a good uh, defense with Aaron Donald and all those guys on the line. Uh, but they're they're susceptible to, to giving up big plays to running backs, and I think Chris Carson might be able to take advantage of that. Uh, lastly, my bust alert is Zeke Elliott. Zeke Elliott's playing the Philadelphia Eagles. Look, it's division matchup. Philadelphia defensively has done really well against Zeke in the past. And Philadelphia this year has only given up four top 24 games uh, to the running back position. So they have done a really, really good job at limiting running backs. I think that's the way to beat Dallas. I think the jury's out. People know the way you beat the Dallas Cowboys is by stopping Zeke and making Dak beat you. I think the Eagles are smart enough to be able to do that, and they have the uh, the capability of doing it with the playmakers on defense. They have a good defensive line. They're solid in the linebacking core. Um, I think if you have Zeke Elliott, obviously you're starting him, but temper your expectations because I think this might be a bust week for him. What do you think, John? Love it. Love all those. Um, Melvin Gordon by the way, I mean, you mentioned how bad Oakland is on on uh, on defense and just kind of at everything. Um, I'm uh, I'm gonna do quarterbacks here in a second, and I'm gonna talk quite a bit about Philip Rivers. Um, I this is just first of all, this was already an Oakland team who had given up just just entirely, and then Bruce Irvin, their lone you know front front seven defensive player worth anything. Uh, just mysteriously ends up on the Atlanta Falcons this week. So uh, they're they're trying to burn that one completely down. They're, they have no interest in stopping anyone. So, yeah, Melvin Gordon, I love that one, is the, is the start of the week for you. So let me get to the quarterbacks here. Greenlight, Aaron Rodgers, Pat Mahomes, Drew Brees, all, those are all givens. Carson Wentz, Jared Goff. Those are givens. Tom Brady, Andrew Luck, Russell Wilson. I even believe that they are. Phillip Rivers, Matt Ryan, and Ryan Fitzpatrick are probably not quite as obvious, but green light those guys. As for the yellow lights, solid solid fantasy quarterbacks in bad matchups. Mitchell Trubisky, Matthew Stafford, and Marcus Mariota. Now, Marcus Mariota is not a solid fantasy quarterback, but... Uh, it's a particularly bad matchup with New England, um, and uh, that kind of trumps the fact that uh, he looked a lot better uh, this past week against Dallas, but New England's going to shut him down. Uh, and then some iffy fantasy quarterbacks in good matchups, um, or these are also quarterbacks in good matchups but with bad situations is probably the way I would rather frame this one. Andy Dalton is the first one that comes to mind. Baker Mayfield, Eli Manning, Blake Bortles, Alex Smith. Some of those are good quarterbacks, just not the greatest situation right at the moment. And some of those are legitimately bad fantasy quarterbacks, um, d- despite the fact that they all have good matchups. Red Light, Dak Prescott, Brock Osweiler, Nick Mullins, Josh Rosen, Derek Carr, Josh McCown, and Derek Anderson, if uh, assuming he gets the start in Buffalo, uh, so they can make a cartoon about him next week. My starter of the week <laughs> is Philip Rivers. Uh, right back to picking on that Oakland defense. They're sixth worst against quarterbacks. Three straight games, they've allowed three touchdown passes to quarterbacks, including Nick Mullins last week. 
Phillip Rivers has multiple touchdown passes in every game this season. He's the only quarterback with that distinction. Yeah, he's going to go nuts. And I do think that you're right on that there's going to be plenty to go around between him and Melvin Gordon. So I I have absolutely no problem making both of those guys the start of the week against a horrible defense and be even even more than the fact that it's a bad defense. It's a defense that does not care. Sneaky start of the week, Baker Mayfield. Even though I gave him a yellow light, I think that he could be a sneaky, high upside type of guy against Atlanta. They're third worst against quarterbacks. They're allowing the most receptions to running backs, which plays right into Freddie Kitchen's strategy. Their new offensive coordinator, he's he loves to dump it off to Duke Johnson. I think that there's going to be a lot of that, and I think that that stack in particular uh, could be a really sneaky play, uh, especially if after this Thursday nighter you were playing against Ben Roethlisberger and you got his five touch you're playing against his five touchdowns his five touchdown passes you're trying to play catch up this is how you shoot the moon go with the, that brown stack bust alert andy dalton he's at home and he's playing against the second worst defense versus quarterbacks in new orleans but he doesn't have aj green tyler boyd is the only credible threat can marvin lewis resist the temptation to move Tyler Boyd to the outside where he gets gobbled up by Marsha, uh, Marshawn Lattimore. I, 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 and I'm really nervous about that one. You've got the wide receivers, James. I'm curious what you think about Tyler Boyd uh, when we get there. But for the moment, I think that Andy Dalton without A.J. Green is not something that I want anything to do with. Yeah, I think overall, without A.J. Green, I mean, this is going to hurt. You're, you're going to rely on Boyd a whole lot more. You're going to rely on C.J. Uzoma and, and some other some other weapons that you wouldn't be relying on as heavily, obviously, with Green in there. I, I think a lot of it, too, <clears throat> though, John, it's going to depend on Gio Bernard if he plays. I left him off the running back list only because he hasn't played in a little bit. It looks like this week it, it, it really is a game-time decision. Um, it looks like it's going to be close. And as of right now, you know, it's Thursday we're recording. So, um, you know, we'll see. But if Gio Bernard plays, I think that really helps because you can line him up in the slot or you can motion him out of the backfield. Even if you have him and Mixon in the backfield, you can do stuff like that. So I think that would help them and go a long way into helping ease that. But, I, I yeah, I don't know if he plays. Um, so I'm going to jump right into the wide receiver position here. And uh, I'm going to start with my green whites. And interesting that you mention um Boyd because he is on my green whites so I'm gonna start with him uh he's a green white Julio Jones Calvin Ridley green whites Jarvis Landry's a green white uh Mike Evans Michael Thomas Cooper Cup Doug Baldwin that's right Doug Baldwin is a green white for me this week and Odell Beckham Jr. I'm gonna give them all the green whites this week the yellow whites uh man some of these names make you shudder a little bit the first name I say is going to make you shudder a little bit, but just because he's a guy who should see seven targets. Um, Calvin Benjamin's on the yellow light. Uh, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Larry Fitzgerald, T.Y. Hilton, Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, Corey Davis, Julian Edelman, Josh Gordon, Chris Godwin, uh, Deshaun Jackson, um, John Ross, uh, Des Bryant, uh, Traquan Smith, um, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, uh, uh, Jordy Nelson, Tyrell Williams, uh, 
uh, Martavius Bryant, Devontae Adams, uh, MVS, Danny Amendola, Kenny Stills, Brandon Cooks, Tyler Lockett, Robert Woods, Mari Cooper, Elshon Jeffrey, Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, Marquise Goodwin, and Pierre Garcon. And really, this is a huge yellow-white section for me this week. And the reason being is because a lot of the really good receivers that you would rely on a, a lot of weeks have some really tough matchups. And a lot of the receivers that you probably don't feel very comfortable relying on in most weeks have good matchups. And so... Because they're, you know, the the a lot of the good receivers that you rely on have tough matchups. I downgrade them a little bit to that yellow white, whereas some of those receivers that you don't don't rely on very much or don't want to rely on very much have good matchups. I bump them up to a yellow white a little bit. So that's why that section is so big this week. Um, we'll get to the red whites right now. That's Quincy Anunwan, Robbie Anderson, Jets wide receivers, uh, Jermaine Curse even, um, Jets wide receivers. I look, I like Josh McCown. I think him starting could be good for this offense, but I don't know which receiver is going to benefit the most. I only think one of those guys is going to be startable, and I don't want to roll the dice on any of them. Uh, Christian Kirk, Dante Moncrief, D.D. Westbrook, Chris Hogan, Brandon LaFell, Randall Cobb, Devontae Parker, Cole Beasley, uh, Michael Gallup, and Nelson Aguilar are all on my red whites. Um, So I'll get to the start of the week right quick. The start of the week for me is Odell Beckham Jr. Look, he's playing the San Francisco 49ers. Um, It's going to be on Monday night. Uh, San Francisco, when you look at kind of how they've been against wide receivers, um, it it uh, it hasn't hasn't been good. <laughs> um, yeah, San Francisco has not been good. They've allowed nine top twenty four games a lot this season. Um, so wide receiver one or two finishes. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. I think is going to uh, is going to have a breakout game. Um, I think Saquon Barkley is going to uh, going to be okay as well. But uh, this is. This is the kind of game that you would expect Odell Beckham Jr. to show up well in. Um, it's on Monday night um, against the San Francisco team that's acceptable to the pass. I think Odell Beckham Jr. can make his presence felt. The Giants are really under a lot of pressure right now. Eli Manning is still going to start. Um, they're coming off a bye week, so you would think that they should have had plenty of time to game plan for this game. And I, I'm sorry, and I think I think you hit on a little bit, John, with your quarterback re- preview. I'm not buying the Nick Mullins hype. I don't know that they can sustain drives. I, I don't buy the Giants defense much, but I, I don't know how good Nick Mullins really is. Um, I don't expect an awful lot in his second performance now that there's some tape. And, you know, it's, this team has had, what, 10 days of tape to to prepare for and to um, to prepare for this team. Uh, so I, I think the Giants are in a good spot. And I really like Odell Beckham Jr. this week. So he's my start of the week. My sneaky start is going to be Corey Davis. I know you just kind of talked about how, um, John, about how Marcus Mariota isn't very good and New England's probably going to shut him down. You're probably right. But here's the thing. The reason why I like Corey Davis, A, it's going to be garbage time. I think, you know, you're going to see some garbage time play. You're going to see some garbage time points. And, hey, in the stat column, they all show up the same. So I'm good with that. I'll take that. But New England has allowed seven top 24 performances to wide receivers, uh, top 24 wide receivers. It looks like Tajay Sharp got hurt. I don't know if he's going to be okay. It looks They say he will be, but uh, he's also been limited all week in practice, so I don't know how how well he's going to be a go. And really, they just don't have a lot of options in Tennessee. I think Corey Davis can have a sneaky good game against New England. He's a sneaky start for me. I would expect him to actually uh, have a decent game. My bust alert. It's kind of funny. Is going to be Keenan Allen, and we've talked a lot about this Chargers game, John. This Chargers Raiders game, but uh, what's really weird is they're bad against quarterbacks and they're bad against the pass. 
but somehow they're not bad against wide receivers. They've only allowed five top 24 finishes to wide receivers. Um, so it, it's really weird when you look at that. That's well below the average. So how are they, you know, obviously teams are scoring points and quarterbacks are scoring points against them. How are they doing it? Well, it looks like they're doing it with tight ends and with pass catching backs. So that's really where you want to target uh, against Oakland. So I, I think uh, that the Chargers have two really good pass catching backs. Um, tight end, they're a little weak on, but I still think that Keenan Allen's probably not going to see the volume that he would in normal weeks, being that that's really not the way that you beat Oakland and they're probably not going to need him very much. So Keenan Allen to me is my bust alert. I'm, uh, I'm trying to avoid him, or at least if I am starting him, I'm tempering my expectations with him. So um, what do you think, John? Anything stand out to you there? That was that one's really interesting to me, the Keenan Allen call. I think that the one that, that stands out by far the most to me that I think that we probably need to talk about is Des Bryant. You're giving him a yellow light. He hasn't played mm-hmm. since, uh, what, December, maybe January of mm-hmm. last year. Um, he's, uh, you know, freshly signed kind of late in the week, actually he was signed. I believe that he, that he signed the, the deal with the saints on today on Thursday. And, uh, so, uh, him coming in, you know, on Sunday, um, off of presumably two, two days of practice and a walkthrough on Saturday. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's, uh, I, I I don't hate the call, um, but I, I'm definitely curious on that one. Uh, where you've what you're expecting, what you're projecting for Des Bryant? Yeah, it's interesting too because he is he's really tough to kind of know what his usage is going to be, how how the Saints are going to use him. You know, are they going to slowly bring him along? I I got a feeling. I mean, he's a veteran, um, so I I don't know that he's going to take too long to adjust. They may have to simplify things for him a little bit. You know, being that. You know, it's only going to be a few days, so maybe he does only run a few routes, or maybe he's out there for half the plays, something like that. But a, he's he the one thing that he is pretty good at. He's a good he, he can he can block for the run out there on the edge. Um, so that's that's something in his favor. But the second thing is is that New Orleans and Tampa Bay have allowed eleven top twenty four games to wide receivers. Cincinnati is right behind them with ten. Their pass defense has not been good. And while I expect Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara to still feast, I think there is a chance to get Des Bryant involved here early and kind of show him, hey, look, this is what we need you for. This is what we brought you in for. We know that Des Bryant is a guy who can be demotivated by not being used early. And I think that if Sean Payton has learned anything from his interaction with Adrian Peterson when they signed him is we got to get this guy involved and we got to get him involved early to keep him engaged. Um, so I kind of expect that if he's going to play and he's going to suit up, um, I, you know, I, I expect maybe four grabs for 50 some yards and possibly an ends, a red zone target, you know, something like that. Um, that's a big red zone target. So, I mean, that's that's not something, you know, that uh, that he's incapable of doing is hauling in a touchdown. So um, I think this can be a really high scoring game between the Saints and the Bengals. So it wouldn't shock me if Des Bryant maybe saw the end zone. So I don't know that I expect it. But I think with some of the other yellow lights that I have there, I'm I'm okay with putting him there and saying, hey, look, if I need a high upside guy, a guy who um, could could have a really good week, um, I'm going to use him. So uh, yeah, I guess I would temper my expectations a little bit with him um, because, like you said, you know, he hasn't been in you know in uh, Saints camp. He hasn't practiced yet. Um, he's not gonna he's not gonna get a lot of time there. 
Um, however, I do also think that it, it, the Saints are going to see it as important to get him involved early. So I expect I expect some some numbers from him. Let's put it that way. I expect him to be involved at least. Nice. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll definitely see what happens. That uh, that sounds plausible to me. Um, so so yeah, I like the call. It that also could be a definite, you know, kind of a sneaky high upside type of deal. If uh, you know, if you went up against you know Ben Roethlisberger or Christian McCaffrey, and now you're chasing points. So yeah, I like that one a lot. Um, well, uh, this will this will clear up some of this will kind of put some of the puzzle together here as I'll go through the tight ends um, on a few of these a few of these situations I think this is going to kind of clear things up so real quick green lights obviously Travis Kelsey obviously Zach Ertz obviously George Kittle uh, OJ Howard for me Trey Burton Jack Doyle <laughs> no no Travis to tell us otherwise so Jack Doyle time Jack Doyle rules <laughs> yes sir <laughs> David Njoku Jimmy Graham and Jared Cook I'll get I'll get green lights from me. Yellow lights. Start with Rob Gronkowski. Believe it or not. But I mean, this is just a down season. Now he's starting to struggle with health. And you know, they're they're just finding other ways to move the ball right now. Uh starting with James White and Josh Gordon is developing into a, a very usable weapon for them and Cordero Patterson as well. The combination of those three guys is doing everything that they need that in the past they've needed out of Rob Gronkowski, and he's become an afterthought. Yellow light, there's a possibility that he gets in the end zone here against the Titans. They're also very good against tight ends, by the way, but there's there's a chance. If the Patriots decide that this is going to be a Gronk game, then it's going to be a Gronk game. Um, but proceed with caution. Jordan Reed, Evan Ingram... Austin Hooper, and then Chris Herndon. You mentioned the uh, Josh McCown using the uh, wide receivers for the Jets, and we're not totally sure how that is going to shake out. I believe that your guy, James, Chris Herndon, is the answer here. I think first yeah. Josh McCown has always targeted the tight end position uh, f- you know, pretty frequently, especially in the red zone, and now he's got – very possibly the best tight end that he's played with in a long time. He made Austin Safarian Jenkins into an absolute star last year. And Mm -hmm. now he's got Chris Herndon, who to me looks like the better player of the two. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Chris Herndon gets a yellow light um, just because it is Josh McCown's first and possibly only game this season as a starter. Um, But uh, Herndon should be the number one target for for Josh McCown in this game. Ben Watson also gets a yellow light. This could go either way. This is a is a there are going to be some red zone targets to go around. But you mentioned Des Bryant. It could go either way for me. Those could go to Ben Watson. Those could go to Des Bryant. I think that the two are really kind of jockeying for position between uh, between one another when you get down around the red zone. And I think that it might be a little tempting for Drew Brees to to show off his new toy. C.J. Uzama also gets a yellow light from me. And Nick Vanette uh, still looks to me like the number one tight end for Seattle. Um, and uh, they're going to be chasing points. So I think that Nick Vanette could be a sneaky play. Red light Eric Ebron. <laughs> red light Cameron Brait. 
Red Light, Ricky Seals, Jones, those are the notable ones. And all three of those guys, they're just, they're not involved enough. For the first two, there's a better tight end ahead of them. And in the case of Ricky Seals, Jones, it's it's just a scheme, a schematic thing. There's just, I, I, I can't recommend him anymore until we, until we start to see a little bit more from him. My start of the week is O.J. Howard. It's a tough matchup against Washington. They're 10th tenth best against tight ends. Um, but Tampa Bay averages 27 points a game when Ryan Fitzpatrick is the starting quarterback and finishes the game. O.J. Howard has scored in four straight games, and Fitz targets him almost exclusively, especially in the red zone. Um, or he targets him almost exclusively in the red zone. My sneaky start is Chris Herndon. Um, I just talked about him, but Herndon has at least six fantasy points in four straight games here. Um, it's, uh, again, a tough matchup uh, at home against Buffalo. Um, they're the 12th best defense against tight ends, but I think that Josh McCown is going to target Herndon pretty heavily, and I think that this continues, this trend of Chris Herndon uh, being in uh, tight end one for fantasy purposes. And then my bust alert is Rob Gronkowski for all the reasons I already mentioned. Who? Yeah. And I, I, I like that. I like a lot of those calls. Let me ask you something though. Jordan Reed, what's the, what's going on with Jordan Reed, man? I mean, over in Washington, every time I watch a game, it seems like Vernon Davis is the better tight end there. Am I totally off base with that? Is, is, is Reed maybe hurt again or, uh, what's going on with Jordan Reed? I mean, he just doesn't look the same this year that he has in the past. Yeah, it it, it is. It's so strange. I mean, he's he's healthy. I mean, and now he's finally starting to kind of deal with some some injuries. But he's been healthy all season. He's been on the mm-hmm. field. He's just not producing. But I, it's Tampa Bay. I mean, it's so, like mm-hmm. every everybody is playable against Tampa Bay. They can't stop anyone. I mean, the closest they're going to come, they can put Brent Grimes on. Uh, I I don't even know who they're going to put him on. I suppose on I... Uh, on Josh Doxson. Like I yeah, it's it's gotten that bad with Washington receivers too. Uh... Yeah, and, and that's part of it for me. I, I mean, I do think that that Vernon Davis is probably a sneaky start. I think Jordan Reed is still getting most of the snaps. Um. And even though Vernon Davis is 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 there, he's getting on the field, he's getting targeted. He probably is the better football player right at the moment. But Jordan Reed is has the better opportunity. And there's just nothing else, you know. It's like it's we're talking. Paul Richardson now is on IR. Uh, it, it's, it's yeah. I- I, I think I think we'd probably be doing a disservice if we didn't at least mention Maurice Harris. Guy had over 100 yards uh, last week, 124 yards in their loss. He he's looked really good when he's gotten an opportunity. But I mean, is that the is, is Maurice Harris and his one you know really good game? Is that enough for you to to put your number one corner on? And and if it is, then does he continue that type of performance with Alex Smith? I, I don't know. I it just yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because Alex Smith is a guy who used the tight end position so well in Kansas City, right? Right. So I mean, I think we kind of expected that if Jordan Reed was healthy, he was going to have a big year, and it just it hasn't been the case, and it's it's uh, it's a little troubling. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. A part of why he gets a green light for me is because the tight end position is just so, or a yellow light. I'm sorry, is because the tight end position is kind of a wasteland, anyways. I mean, mm-hmm. I I don't have any more faith in you know Evan Ingram or C.J. Uzama than I do in Jordan Reed. So, yeah, I mean, I I, I think he's he's playable, but yeah, yeah, I, yeah. yeah Maurice Harris is really interesting to me. Um, it, and otherwise, man, this is there's just there's nothing in that offense. You know, Chris Thompson's still down. Sounds like Jamison Crowder could make it back. It, it's a long shot, though. I mean, we're we're recording this on Thursday. He finally makes it back to practice in a limited, uh, limited fashion. Man, yeah, Jordan. It could just be a volume play for Jordan Reed at a position where, you know, there there aren't very many players that inspire a whole lot of confidence. Yeah, and and you know, I, I absolutely. I want to also say, you know, we we know what he's capable of when he's right, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we've seen that. It's just you know, we we haven't seen it this year. So I mean, I I totally understand why he's a yellow light at a position that is so up and down. And there's there's just I mean, we we know what he's capable of. He's capable of being a top tight end. He's capable of being the number one tight end this week in that matchup. But we just haven't seen it, and it's just it's a little troubling. Um, you know, to me, when I, I had such high expectations for him if he stayed healthy. So, yeah, I think we're on the same page with him, though. It's uh, He's an interesting case study this year, for sure. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's get to a few trades uh, before we get out of here. Um, these were All of these this week were sent to the, uh, the Superflex Show account. That's at Superflex Show on Twitter. And you can send us your trade polls. Um, just tag us, and we can retweet them. And help you get more votes and uh, get more more comments and more advice. And then, of course, sometimes we bring them here on the show. We're starting to do this every single week for the rest of the season. Uh, as uh, as some fantasy owners go into rebuild rebuild mode and some fantasy owners are loading up for the playoffs, uh, there's a lot of action going on and we're here to help. So, yeah, send them to at Superflex Show on Twitter. You can also hit up any one of us individually. Uh, James is at underscore James the Brain. I'm at Superflex Dude, and then Travis is at Travis NFL. Send them to any one of us. You can DM us. You can tag us. Uh, however you want to do it, and uh, we'll we'll get them on, here on the show as best we can. So let's start with this first one, James. This is this came from Jay Glang. Uh, his uh, his handle is at you'll go Favre, as in Brett Favre. I thought that was kind of cool. So this is a 12-team nice. Superflex Dynasty, half PPR, and quarter PPC, quarter point per carry. Tyreek Hill for Josh Rosen, a 2019 first, and a 2019 second. So for you and I in particular, there's a lot of stuff here that we've been particularly high on for you know many, many months. Um Travis would would it, it would be probably even harder for Travis because uh, he hasn't really been a fan of a lot of these a couple of these pieces. He would he would boil this down to those draft picks. That's my guess. But I'm curious what you think, James. Boy, this man, this is a really good trade. You know how high I am on Tyreek Hill, and he has done nothing but impress me. More and more this year, um, he's he's uh, just a mainstay in that offense. 
He's a playmaker. He's he's the type of guy that you can get him the ball on a bubble screen. He can take it to the house, or you can throw it 70 yards in the air, which Patrick Mahomes can do on a rope, it seems, and and just hit him deep, and you know he can score that way too. He's been really, really good. But obviously, you know how much I like Josh Rosen too. Um, I think in a vacuum, this one's tough because I, I really think it's close enough to me to where if I'm contending, I want Tyreek Hill. I, I will pay Rosen a 2019 first and second to get Tyreek Hill on my team if that's what I need to contend. Um, but if I'm rebuilding, I really want the Rosen side with the two picks. Um, so to me, it really kind of depends if this is two contending teams, I'd rather have the Tyreek side. If it's two teams that maybe aren't contending, I'd rather have the Rosen side, uh, so on and so forth. So this one's kind of tough for me because I don't have any context. I, I will say that to me, if it's just in a vacuum, I'll, I'll take the Tyreek Hill side. Um, but it, it, man, is it close, especially in Superflex and as high as I am on Josh Rosen. So Tell me, John, am I am I crazy on this, or, or what do you think? No, I think you're right on with this. In a vacuum, Tyreek Hill for me. The the one thing that I want to add to it, because I think that your process was was dead on, but the only problem could be here, the, the only pitfall could be, if you're a rebuilding team and you're giving away Tyreek Hill, who, by the way, is a perfect rebuilding piece. I mean, you definitely... In Superflex, I definitely like to start with the quarterbacks, but wide receivers, young wide receiver ones like Tyreek Hill, that are a very close second for me. I'll build around, and in fact, Tyreek Hill is on a short list of guys who I would start my rebuild around. So the other problem is if you're giving up Tyreek Hill and getting back Josh Rosen, I mean, at least in theory, I would imagine you're sending Tyreek Hill to a contender and that 2019 first and that 2019 second are going to be kind of late. So that that kind of sours me on it a little bit. As much as I love Josh Rosen, I, I have a hard time envisioning a scenario where Josh Rosen and where those those two draft picks are early enough to supplement Josh Rosen and make up for Tyreek Hill. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think that's right on. I think we're we kind of both see this very similar. So, uh, moving on, uh, looks like we got another one uh, from the Trade Addicts Pod, huh? The Trade Addicts Pod is just look at it; it's just ripping into our pod, John. I hope you know what you've done. <laughs> I know. This is what happens <laughs> when you host two different pods. I'm just saying. They're just taking over. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> Yeah, those uh, so those trade addicts leagues, I believe they have four of them. It sounds like, and they're all super flex leagues. So it's kind of cool that uh, that they are in- involving us and including us. Um, so yeah, this came from the, tr- the trade addicts podcast. Um, James is uh, a little jealous of them right at the moment, but uh, once he gets past that, I'm not jealous he... <laughs> of them. They're jealous of me. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is, man. They're the side podcast in this. All right. So. Everyone is. That's why I had to jump on another podcast or two to get out from under your shadow. Man, what? I don't. I don't need to hear the excuses. All right. I know what you're doing. Okay. All right. <laughs> Good. Good. For the Kumar. <laughs> Uh, all right, so this is a this is one of those rebuild slash playoff push trades. It's a twelve team super flex PPR with a tight end premium, and uh, so this side is rebuilding for the future, and they're getting Cameron Brait and a twenty nineteen first. The team 
giving that up is trying to contend now and getting back Ryan Fitzpatrick and Eric Ebron. Man, this trade is something else because I, I, I just keep going round and round with it. it, it's, it okay, so if I'm rebuilding, I definitely want the 2019 first, right? But what does Cameron Brait do for me? Cameron Brait does nothing for me. Right. I mean, that guy signed a long-term deal, and he's going to be sitting behind O.J. Howard. He's the number two tight end there. And with the, the receiving options they have, with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin that are going to be there long-term, he's at best the fourth option. At best, the fourth option in that passing attack. Man, I don't know that that does much for me. But the 2019 first obviously does. But what am I giving up? Well, I'm giving up Ryan Fitzpatrick, who, I mean, John, do you see this guy being a starter outside this season? I mean. Maybe for another season. Maybe. Maybe. And maybe it's in Tampa Bay, but maybe it isn't. And I don't. I just. It doesn't install a lot of faith in for me i i just i don't know yeah i guess if i'm making a push for this year fitzpatrick could be usable but i still would feel very very uncomfortable having to use that guy or rely on him in the playoffs even in a super flex league i I wouldn't like it much and then eric ebron who we just talked about i mean he's the second best tight end on his team too um so i mean i guess cameron bray for eric ebron to me is kind of a wash i mean ebron's been better this year, and I think Indy is going to use the tight ends a lot more this year, and I think volume is going to be on the Ebron side over Cameron Brait, and so I don't, I don't know, man. This one's tough for me. I guess, I guess I'll say that the 2019 first is probably for me the most valuable piece in this deal. So I'm probably going to side with the Brait and the 2019 first, but I don't feel good about about it at all. <laughs> so. Um, John, I know how you are with picks, so I'm going to assume you're going to take the opposite side. Am I right? I am, but I, I don't disagree with you that that 2019 first is still probably the most valuable piece in in this trade. Okay. I do think that this is very balanced, though. I, and I mean, I think mm-hmm. that you're right on with the tight ends. They're awfully close to a wash. Slight edge to Eric Ebron. Part of the problem here is that I think that that, I mean, that 2019 first is likely a late one, you know, kind of to go back to that because, you know, this is a contender basically paying that that late 2019 first for Ryan Fitzpatrick and acknowledging that, you know, I've got a shot here to win. Ryan Fitzpatrick puts me over the top and, you know, that 2019 first likely wasn't going to, to get me another quarterback. Um, who could uh, who could keep me in contention? So, I it's it's a as much as I would rather have the first round pick than Ryan Fitzpatrick in a vacuum. If I'm a contender, I would pay that, and I think that that I, I think that Eric Ebron, the difference between Eric Ebron and Cameron Brait is just enough to to push Ryan Fitzpatrick over the edge for me. So I'll take the Fitzpatrick side for the contender, but I do think it, I, I think this is a very balanced trade. And I think that it, that it resolves the issue for both sides, um, that it accomplishes what both sides are out to accomplish. Let's see. Next one is from Jeremy Dane. And uh, again, came to the Superflex show account. It's a 12 team PPR. And he's he's asking, should I accept a trade where I send Ryan Fitzpatrick and I receive Matthew Stafford, Isaiah Crowell, Carrion Johnson, 
and the Ravens DST, the number one DST in fantasy football. Yeah, I, I'm a little uh, puzzled by this this trade. I I guess for me in a dynasty league, I would, I, and I don't like Matthew Stafford very much. I, I just he's not a guy that I own, and I don't value him as high as others. But in a dynasty league, I'm taking Matthew Stafford on over Ryan Fitzpatrick straight up. Um, just because of what we just talked about. I mean, I, Matthew Stafford's going to be starting for for a while. I don't think he's he's going to be replaced anytime soon. I don't think the Lions view him as the the reason why that they you know they're they're struggling when they struggle. I think they have other other need areas that they're going to address way before they they do Stafford. Whereas Tampa Bay, I could see them addressing the quarterback position you know right away here in the off season. So I would do Stafford for Fitz. Fitzpatrick, but when you throw in on Johnson, Isaiah Crowell, and the Ravens defense, like, uh, yeah, I, I, to me, it's a slam dunk. The only question I have is, I, whenever you do trades like this, where you're receiving multiple players and you're giving up only one, is who are you going to drop? Uh, that's my main concern, is because if you're dropping guys that have value, you might as well just add them to that part of the trade. It might as well be, you might as well look at it as Ryan Fitzpatrick and you know, whoever else you're going to drop for all these guys and then add it up and see if it's worth it. Because, you know, you, you, normally you're not going to have five roster spots open that, you know, you just don't don't have have used right now. So um, make sure that whoever you're going to drop, if you do this, is going to be worth it. I think it will be just because, I mean, like I said, I I do Stafford. I, I would I would give Fitzpatrick for Stafford straight up. So if I'm getting a guy like Carryon Johnson, who I like an awful lot, Isaiah Crowell and the Ravens D, I'm quite certain that I have a defense that I could probably drop in place of the Ravens defense that'll be worse. So I'm not too worried about that. I'm sure that I can find a guy who's not as valuable as Carryon Johnson to drop too. Uh, the Crowell thing, I mean, I, I'm okay with Crow, but I don't, I don't love him. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, if you if you have a guy that you can. You can drop depending on roster sizes and your bench, but um, that's that's the only other thing that I would say is I would uh, I would definitely look at that too um, to see if it's worth doing. But yeah, I'm I'm taking the Stafford side. I think. Yeah, I believe I am too, and it's just everything that you laid out. By the way, he said that in order to make room, it sounds like he must already have one empty roster spot, um, and then he would drop the Cowboys defense to make room for the Ravens, and he would drop Tyrell Williams. Uh, to make room for uh, for one of those running backs, that that part's tough for me. I don't know that I would drop Tyrell Williams to make room for Isaiah Crowell personally, uh, in, in a dynasty league. But so I guess the question that I have for you is: Let's assume for a second that this is a redraft league. He definitely directed this at a lot of dynasty guys. So, I mean, I think that we that we probably pick that one apart correctly this is probably a dynasty trade but in a redraft league does this look any better to you boy that's that uh that's a good question um yeah i think in a redraft if it is redraft i think i'm probably still doing it i think the difference between stafford and fitzpatrick it's still negligible to where if i'm gaining guys um, the Baltimore defense, I think, is a big – I mean, that's a big difference. And, and what you just said, um, you know, being the case that, uh, that you know, with his drops being what they are, um, and, and really the main thing is that defense because, um, you know, the Cowboys defense to the Baltimore defense, that's a huge upgrade. Um, so if that's, if that's what you're looking at, you know, you're getting that. 
Plus, you know, the Matthew Stafford to, to Ryan Fitzpatrick difference, I think that alone makes it worth it for me. But I'm sure Carryon Johnson's going to have some games this year. Isaiah Crowell's probably going to be in line for some, too. Um, if you have guys that you can drop, like Tyrell Williams or someone else, um, I, I'd probably be okay with it. So, yeah, I think I would still do it. What about you, John? Yeah, I guess I would. It's That one gets super close for me, though. I don't like – man, Matthew Stafford has been – pretty disappointing lately so it's mm-hmm. it, it it gets awfully close I don't know for sure what we've got with Ryan Fitzpatrick for the rest of the season that's that's part of the deal um and then again I mean you 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 get running much needed running back help I don't know for sure what you've got for the rest of the season with on Johnson or with Isaiah Crowell I do know that I believe they're gonna the Jets are gonna kind of lean on Isaiah Crowell here, and it sure seems like the Lions are are finally starting to come around on on allowing Carryon Johnson to be kind of a workhorse, and uh, you know move Theo Riddick from that third down passing downs role to just straight up put him in the slot and have him play the Golden Tate role, so I. I Carry on Johnson could definitely be the type of guy who helps win a league for you. Um, it, these are all kind of unknown pieces. Um, but, and I think that Ryan Fitzpatrick has a much higher ceiling than Matthew Stafford, but I mean, just the ability to get two more, two more running backs when that's the whole deal with running backs is just to have a bunch of warm bodies, you know? we've we've been so many of us have been riding James Conner all season and started to feel like you know we're in pretty good shape here with James Conner well he goes down with an injury in the Thursday nighter and now they're they're going to be some fantasy teams you know with one and two losses who are are going to be struggling to finish off the season you know with a high enough seed to get the first round by and avoid a team that just got really hot with guys like Carryon Johnson and Isaiah Crowell and you know Nick Chubb and Aaron Jones. <laughs> I had to sneak that in on you. Of course you did. <laughs> but, but you know those guys that come along late in the season are are they're the ones that end up winning fantasy leagues for people, and uh, I, you just have to have a constant influx of healthy running backs they don't have to be particularly good they just have to be healthy so yeah for me i i i would want those running backs all right this next one came from peter meyer and it's a ppr dynasty league most likely missing the playoffs and he owns tyler boyd does he give up tyler boyd for 2019 what right now projects to be the 1.11 the 111 in the first round and Devonte Booker. Man, yeah, I I don't know. I t- Tyler Boyd kind of came out of nowhere. That's that's my problem with Tyler Boyd is I don't know if this is sustainable. Is this, you know, is Tyler Boyd really this good mm-hmm. or is this is this just kind of something that, you know, I, I I don't know that you can count on it. You know, what you're seeing these these past few weeks, I don't know that that's the real Tyler Boyd. I don't know that that's something that's going to be sustainable year after year for him. If it is, then, you know, you, you keep him, even if you are rebuilding, because, you know, this can be a cornerstone. He's young enough. He could be good for years and years and years. So, you know, you would keep him. 
but I, I don't know that I buy it. So I think I'll wait first um, is enough for me. Booker to me is, is I mean, I, I, I guess if Royce Freeman misses time, he might be usable some weeks maybe, by week fill-in maybe, but um, he's nothing more to me than that. So I think I'd probably side with the pick here. I'm not buying into Tyler Boyd long term, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna go. I'm, I'll take the 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 wait first for him. Yeah, I'll take uh, I'll take Boyd just on the possibility that I mean, look, he's in his third season here, which is where we typically see these wide receivers break out. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I I I think so. First of all, even if even if you get it right at one eleven. And you take another wide receiver to replace Tyler Boyd. And you actually get that one right. You know, you find a guy who actually does break out. You're still waiting, you know, two or three years for them to to turn into Tyler Boyd. That's kind of the general career arc. It's definitely possible that we see a breakout early, like, you know, like we've seen with with Juju Smith-Schuster, last year and now this year with calvin ridley um but man i you you really kind of have to plan for that three-year career arc that that third year breakout with wide receivers and we're seeing it with tyler boyd and that's why i think first of all that you can trust it you know kind of to your point Mm -hmm. um i i i know that it that it feels like this could easily be a a one-time a one-hit wonder type of thing um, but I, just the fact that this is such a, a natural trajectory for wide receivers, I think that we can trust that, number one. But number two, I mean, just the fact that you have to wait, you know, until 20, 2020, 2021 before you get anything out of that 111 pick. Um, the only way I would do this is if I'm in serious need of running back help going forward and my wide receivers are pretty set. Uh, if, if Tyler Boyd is, you know, my fourth or fifth wide receiver, then then I would consider doing that because that 111 can be a running back instead who can help you right away. Otherwise, yeah, I'm sticking with Tyler Boyd. Well, let me ask you a question um, because in Superflex ADP, the 111, around the 110, 111, this past year was Cortland Sutton. So let's just say you say Boyd for Cortland Sutton and Devontae Booker. I know they're on the same team, but would that change your your take any? Would you still take Boyd or would you side with Cortland Sutton and Booker? I'm just saying because if mm-hmm. you look at the names like Barkley, Chubb, Geis, Michelle, Baker, Ridley, Christian Kirk, DJ Moore, Sam Darnold, um, Josh Rosen, those were guys in Superflex that were going pretty high. If you could get a guy like Cortland Sutton, with that 111, would that change your perspective at all if you put a name to it instead of that pick? That that does help a little bit, but I mean, it it's tough because it. I mean, first of all, that's really hard to do, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, 111 just as easily could have been. I, I mean, it could have been Christian Kirk for a while there. He was he was kind of sneaking into the you know, the mm-hmm. back end of the, of the first round, even in super flex leagues. Um, mm-hmm. it, it could have been Rashad Penny. Uh, yeah, it, it, yeah, there, there were, there were several guys, uh, Ronald Jones, 
You know, those are the type of guys mm-hmm. who could have also went there. And it's a little hard to say. I mean, that's why we talk so much about hit rate when it comes to these these draft picks. Just to kind of humble us a little bit on thinking that, that, you know, we're going to get these draft picks right. You know, it's not a matter of getting these draft picks right. It's just a matter of acquire, acquiring these draft picks so I can go get the next star rookie, you know. Mm-hmm. We, yeah. We've got to remember that it doesn't always work that way. And I, this year's wide receiver group ended up being, you know, pretty strong and pretty strong right away. So, you know, that that makes it a little tougher. It, it, there was probably a – I'm going to venture to guess that there was a far better hit rate for wide receivers in this year's class already uh, than, there, than there typically is. Um, you know, last year 111 could have been John Ross, for instance. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just just knowing that – because, yeah, you know, to your, to your point, I would absolutely take Cortland Sutton um, for uh, – and, and whatever for Tyler Boyd at this point. And, mm-hmm. you know, be, just because I think that Cortland Sutton's situation is about to be, you know, far beyond what Tyler Boyd is ever going to be capable of. Just because of the situation, I think Cortland Sutton's going to have, you know, he's going to be the number one in that offense. So, mm-hmm. um, so if and if I knew that I was getting that at one eleven, then sure. But the problem is, there's just no way to know that, you know. Um, it, and so we've got to defer to just kind of history and that hit rate, and keeping in mind too that. Even if we get it right at, at wide receiver, a lot of times it takes a couple years before we find out that we got it right, as in mm-hmm. the case with Tyler Boyd. Nice. Well, let's do one more real quick. This came just as we started recording um, from our friend Nick Choplick. And this is a 14-team dynasty, super flex, PPR, tight end premium, with AD, with IDPs as well. He's out of the playoffs, so does he sell Ezekiel Elliott? and A.J. Green and start to rebuild. So here's the trade. Ezekiel Elliott, A.J. Green, and Kyle Rudolph. And he gets back Sony Michelle, Brandon Cooks, Amari Cooper, Ricky Seals-Jones, and a 2022nd. Looking at this trade, I, I mean, you're getting rid of Zeke, which, I mean, is, is you know, the main piece in this deal, in my opinion. The best player on either side of this uh, this trade offers Zeke. Mm-hmm. Um so you're getting rid of Zeke. He's still still young. Um, so, I mean, he still has years that he can contribute to a rebuild. Um, A.J. Green is getting up there a little bit in age, but, you know, you're really not getting full value for him because he's hurt. Um, so, you know, a team that's contending now isn't going to pay full value for him because they're not getting him for at least a couple weeks. So so you got to keep that in mind, too, and then you're getting rid of Kyle Rudolph. Now, what you're getting in return, I, I like Sony Michelle an awful lot. I really, really do. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not Zeke, but I, I still I still like what I've seen from him uh, and being part of that New England offense. You know, it's a high-powered offense. I like that a lot. You get Brandon Cooks, who I like a lot, too. Um, again, this is a guy who I think is going to be a mainstay in that offense, and that offense for the Rams looks like it's going to be good for a long time. So I like Brandon Cooks. 
Amari Cooper, I've never been high on. I'm even lower on him now than he went to Dallas. I, I <laughs> at least at least with Oakland, you knew that they were going to have to throw the ball because they were going to be out of it. Dallas's defense is good to the point where I don't even know that Cooper sees an uptick in targets. I, it, that's a mess, and I, I want nothing to do with Amari Cooper. So that that does nothing for me. Ricky Seals Jones does nothing for me. He's a place filler at tight end, and tight end's not a good position. So if this guy isn't a startable option at tight end for most most weeks um, at a position that's that is something. is really struggling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a 20, 20, 20 second, I mean, that's too far out to really mean much for me. Um, and it's a second. I, I'm going to side with the Zeke, A.J. Green, Kyle Rudolph side here, and I'm going to side with it pretty easily. I know – um, it, it, it does say also that this is a two tight end league. So that does help with Ricky seal Jones a little bit, but I, I still, man, that just makes Kyle Rudolph to me even more valuable that you're losing him. Um, you know, if you got to start two tight ends, I'd much rather have Kyle Rudolph than Ricky seals Jones that, that widens the gap at that tight end position for me. So, um, I'm going to go with the Zeke side pretty easily here, but I'm interested to hear what you have to say, John. I mean, you said, so I'm with you. A hundred percent. I feel like you you pretty much said it all. So the only thing I want to add, like you said, love Sony Michelle, right? He's nowhere near Zeke, and and I don't know that he's ever going to get there. I mean, we're talking about a rookie with degenerative knee issues. It, you know, it, it's not like the the age gap between Zeke and Sony is is significant especially when Sony is already dealing with um, with those knee issues, and it's only going to get worse. I mean, it, it essentially, his knees are older than Zeke's knees, you know? So, and then you look at the wide receivers. A.J. Green, to me, is still one of the top, you know, seven or eight tight ends in the league, even when he's healthy, of course. Brandon Cooks is not. Amari Cooper is definitely not. So, I mean, what you're trying to do there is replace A.J. Green with Brandon Cooks and Amari Cooper. And there's efficiency in having A.J. Green. There's efficiency in having Zeke Elliott. You know, you you get the same number of points out of A.J. Green that you get out of Brandon Cooks and Amari Cooper together. And now you have to push somebody out of your starting lineup to make room for both of those guys. So, yeah, it's not really rebuilding the team quite like it looks. So... And then, yeah, like you said, RSJ, I mean, uh, Kyle Rudolph doesn't do a whole lot for me, but he at least has an opportunity that Ricky Seals-Jones does not have. And 2020 picks just don't even even interest me yet. We're way too far out from that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm 100% with you. This is a Zeke side and the AJ Green side. Sell those two guys separately and you know you run your rebuild like that um you should be able to get you know you could probably get i would i I would think that you could get sony michelle and brandon cooks for ezekiel elliott yeah yeah i agree i i I think i think you're right on that and i think i think that's part of it you know for me is that i don't think the value is there so yeah i think i think we're we're really on the same page with this one all right well let's wrap it up there for the week and uh, as we do that, uh, real quick, just a, just a general PSA. Um, any of you podcast hosts are ready for podcasts who are ready for me to come host? Um, you oh just, my gosh! You, you know where to find me. <laughs> no, you are not going to use your time on our podcast to pimp yourself out to other podcasts. It's not going to happen. Um, no, I'm, I'm drawing the line there. No more. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> all right deal yeah this all this right. is always home this is uh this is where it all started and this is where i get to talk with my friends james the brain and sometimes travis the beard when he makes it in um but if nothing else i mean there's nothing better for me than sitting here and talking football with you my friend so yeah we'll be back next week with the podcast <laughs> the the <laughs> number one in my heart number one in my life all right all right you're making up for it now all <laughs> I'm, right i'm trying all right but yeah in the meantime subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already and if you have as particularly on itunes give us a rating and a review if you would those ratings and reviews help us to expand our reach and uh, get out to a broader audience so that we can dial in on the topics that are the most useful to you, the listener. You can also subscribe to the DLF family of podcasts, Mega Feed, and get access to all of the great podcasts from DLF. And while you're at it, send us your trades uh, at Superflex Show. Um, make sure you're following the show at Superflex Show on Twitter, and then you can start sending us trades at Superflex Show, and we can retweet them, help you get more votes and comments, and bring them right here on the show sometimes. You can also send them to each one of us individually. Travis is at Travis NFL. James is at underscore James the Brain. And I'm at Superflex Dude. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the song The Addiction that we use as our intro and outro music. And above all else, thank you to each and every one of you for listening. Good luck in week 10. And until next week, stay sexy and super flexy. Bye. Yeah,